Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. All right, welcome back to Training for Manhood. Week two of Paul David Tripp's book, Parenting, 14 Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family. Uh, Nick Bellamy, Johnny Farr are back with me, and, uh, and we're looking at chapter four. Um, it's called Inability, and the principle that he's uh, going to go through is ca- talking about recognizing what you are unable to do is essential to good parenting. And so just kind of this idea um, that uh, um, he's talking about parenting is not exercising power for change in your children. Parenting is about your humble faithfulness and being willing to participate in God's work of change for the sake of your children. So the the biggest thing I think he's getting across is God is the change agent, um, and he's enlisting you to be a part of the work that he's doing, but you're not the one who's actually responsible for the work. Uh, and I think that takes a lot of pressure off of parents uh, when you look at your kids. And I, I'm just telling you, right, from, you know, from day one, when you look at your kids, um, you know, they, they look all wonderful and pretty and we, you know, we dress them all up. But you see things that need to be adjusted, right? Um, and and the, the cool thing is to realize God sees those things, too. Right, God sees those things, and He's got a plan uh, for that particular adjustment. He's got a plan um, to um, to you know bring hope and healing into that broken creature, um, and He's going to use you as a parent to uh, to facilitate some of that work that's going to be done. Um, but what we do is we we get frustrated because we want it on our time, in our method, um, and with ways that aren't using God's grace to do it. So we try to use the law to beat kids into submission, into our will and our our. Uh, shape. Uh, and God's like, no, like, trust me and how I do it, right? Let me let me show you how it's done. And so um, chapter four is, a, I think, a really um, important chapter from a parenting perspective of just realizing um, that there are wrong ways of doing this, of, of, of doing what you think is the right thing. There are wrong ways to actually accomplish it. This particular chapter, I think, addresses those who struggle with control yes. and those who struggle with power. Good, so good I words. know some very successful people. Yep. And they feel very powerful because they make a lot of money or they have their president CEO or they're an entrepreneur that has had tremendous amounts of success. They've had a liquidity event. I mean, you can go down the list of things that the world thinks is amazing, professional athletes and that power that they maintain from a worldly standpoint does not transition into the spiritual realm. Uh, The spiritual realm says that God's the only power and everybody else, you along with your child sitting next to you are co-heirs to the throne, but you are equals. And so when you, when you take that position, all of a sudden it removes the ownership, yep. right? And if you are no longer the owner, then you need the owner to help you when it comes time to uh, doing business with your children, yep. raising them and parenting them. And so when you know, and I mean, this is, I feel like this is like one of those scarlet threads that's through scripture where it's like God's standing over there saying, I'm the one that's going to do it if you will just come along for the ride. Right. Right, but every, all all of us want to run out in front. It's kind of like my every time I go somewhere with my nine year old, he will not walk next to me. Right, he walks thirty feet in front of me, and then when he steps on something, he wonders, you know, where were you to help me? And I was like, well, if you'd been back here with me, we'd be just fine. Well, my heavenly Father's saying that to me Same like thing. every day. Yep. You're going out. You left the house this morning without meeting with me, and you want to know why it didn't work out, right? Because mm-hmm. you were thirty feet ahead of me. Yeah. 
Yeah, and we'll, it, we'll get there, right? I'm, I'm coming. We'll get there. But yeah, when you go out there on your own, and, and imagine if God, you know, in, in his provision allowed you to be successful without him, right? Like how, how awful would that be? Right. So I run out, I run out ahead of God and something good happens and something successful happens. Then I go, Oh, I don't really need God. But then eventually, right. Something will happen that you go, Oh, I, I need God. Right. But we're so far distant from him. And I think that's the one the amazing thing is, right. God wants us to realize that in our success or in our defeat, right. What we ultimately need is him. Mm-hmm. Right. So we just need to be close to him because he takes our success. And in humility, we realize, Ooh, that really was his success. And then he takes our defeat Right. And in his provision, he says, oh, but it's really not a defeat. Let me show you how I'm going to use this for your glory. And you go, "Okay, you know, it's just it's staying close to him is the ultimate goal. And then we sleep and forget. Yeah. (laughs) And it's it's frustrating. The the entire story of God is filled with stories of his people running out ahead of him or saying, I'm going to go this way. And time after time, it never goes their way, never goes their way. And here I am parenting a very strong-willed four-year-old thinking that I can will your behavior right. change. Yeah. I, I will can, win. I, am, uh, I, I can get louder than you. I'm smarter than you. I have more resources th- than you. I will change your sin heart. Uh, I am going to be your savior. And that's where I get it wrong every that's right. single time. That I love. And that's why Paul, that's super frustrating. It is. <laughs> Paul Tripp's quote in this chapter, one of, one of the things he says is, the goal of parenting is not control of behavior, but rather heart and life change. And this, this could be a source of a lot of anxiety for parents. Yes. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And, you know, I'm faced with this with my wife, Alicia. When we find ourselves frustrated that we can't seem to will behavior change in our kids' lives, it really stinks when we both recognize we have not prayed about this. We have not made our requests made known to God. And we haven't not just prayed as a husband and wife, but we haven't prayed with our daughter about this issue. Um, man, this wrecked me. This inability reminded me yet again that I am not God. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but but he says that he also says he goes parents. Here's what you need to understand: God has given you the authority for the work of change, but has not granted you the power to make the change happen. And so we, we do have a role to play as a parent. I don't, you don't want to dismiss this like, Hey, God's at work in the life of my kid. I'm just here to, you know, feed him and, and, you know, take him to school and drop him off. It's like, no, no, you're, you're responsible, right. To be used by God as an agent that he wants to use in the change. You're, you're there to be, um, you know, an instrument of God's grace. And so you have a lot of responsibility, um, but the heart change is not what you're responsible for. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. Mm-hmm. So I love this important. line. It says, once your kids begin to be your intellectual and physical peers, they stop being threatened by you. <laughs> so for all those who raise their voice and yeah. wield their resources, yeah. this is my house. Worked I've said while. this more yep. than once. Yep. Forgive me, children, if you're listening. Uh, but someday they won't be smaller than you. That's right. Uh, someday they might not live under your roof. In fact, that's the goal. Yeah. You, know, you know. You know what I love? I love how you guys talk about someday because I'm there. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> 
right? I've got I've got two that have graduated college working, right? One in college and one who's a junior in high school. And so um, a lot of this parenting, um, you know, you guys are you guys are in the thick of it right now. I'm telling you. But here's the thing. Um, you never stop being a parent. Right. And so, you know, I've got kids who are 24 and 23. I'm still their dad. Um, and so they, you know, I, they, I may not be able to use some of the same things we did when they were smaller. Um, but you go, hey, here's, here's the deal, right? Uh, the, the role and the opportunity to parent and to shepherd and to guide um, and to minister to, right, is still an incredible opportunity. But if you're, if you're, you know, hoping that those tactics, you know, of fear and of power and control work, right, eventually, yeah, they'll, they'll run their path and they won't work and your kids will be looking at you and right, the, the change won't have happened. And so, you know, if you can learn these things when your kids are young, it will help you because when they get older and they get bigger, Right. Then they will respect you as a parent. Um, but they will be that, you know, kind of on that same level as a, and now, a, you know, for my boys, you know, they're brothers in Christ. Right. And it's kind of a neat place to be right now. So. And it's the posture of the heart. That's yeah. right. I mean, at the end of the day, whether it's little kids, big kids, grown adults, you know, people in your community, step parents, et cetera. Right. Yep. The whole yep. list we listed off earlier. It's the posture of your heart. Yeah. And I love that you made the distinction that in the theme of this chapter being inability, while we cannot change hearts, that is God's job and God's job alone, it does not relinquish our right as parents to be the primary disciple makers in our home. That's right. This is a unique responsibility that God has given parents and parents alone. And I talk with, with men all the time who are faced and confronted with this reality, they know I need to be the spiritual leader in my home. Right. And and yet there's this scene easy button. Well, if I can just get them to church, mm-hmm. then I've done my duty. That's right. If I could just get them in a school with kingdom education like PCA, yep. then I've done my duty. And yet when our kids get old enough and they start seeing the character of the God represented in the Bible and contrasting that with the character of their dad illustrated in front of them. I want to be the kind of dad that there's more similarities yeah. than differences. Amen. And that's the goal that I have. Uh, that's the goal that Alicia has as well. And so, man, I think if you get this as a dad, help other dads take the bull by the horns help encourage and hold them accountable and ultimately see the joy of being the primary disciple maker. Because when you do, that's when your reliance on the Lord is firmly founded and you recognize he's the giver of all things. Yeah. Now, chapter five is called identity. And I thought it, out of all the chapters, I thought it was probably the most powerful um, in terms of hitting a lot of parents right where they are. Um, and, and it says the principle is this. It says, um, if you're not resting as a parent in your identity in Christ, you will look for identity in your children. And, and I see this so often, right? Um, you know, and, and, and really, you know, I, I struggled with it as, as a parent uh, myself when my kids were younger, right? Finding your identity in the accomplishments of your kids, um, you know, we laugh about, um, you know, we've got four kids and, uh, when, when our oldest would get a project at school, um, you know, Trisha and I would <laughs> assist in that particular project because, um, our son would not, um, produce, right? So, and I, I think maybe it's in kindergarten or first grade, they get a, a, a water animal, right? That they have to do. And so, you know, Preston got, you know, something and, you know, Trisha and I did it and we went and, 
um, you know, we, we laugh because, you know, as, as we did Preston's projects and then kind of helped out with Parker's projects and then, you know, maybe kind of knew what Sophie was doing. Then Campbell came along and we have no idea what his animal was. Um, and so we would walk through the lower school and we would just laugh by the time we got to the fourth kid. Um, cause you could pick out, you know, which parents did the particular projects and which kids it. did the projects. So, so, <laughs> so love it when so they obvious. ask you to be a, like a parent grader and you go in and you go, that was done that by was, a digital professional. That's right. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then you, that one was done by the third grader. Yeah. Did you actually pay somebody to yeah. do that? Right. <laughs> so just, it, it's a, it's a very powerful chapter. Um, but just not, you know, from a parenting perspective, not finding, um, your identity in the success of your children. He gives you some really powerful things. Um, the, the last part is he just talks about um, how do you know, right, if this is you? Um, and five things he says. He says you're focusing too much on success. Um, you know, like talking about the grades of your children or how well they're doing on their particular sport or things like that. Are you, are you allowing them to enjoy it um, and being the best that they can be? But at the end of the day, yeah, you know, hey, he didn't make the team or, oh, he didn't get the highest grade in the class. Are you okay with that? Right. Or do you really, really harp down on that success? Um, you're too concerned about reputation, right? What other people are saying or what other people are think, um, uh, too great a desire for control, right? goes back to that theme from the beginning, yep. uh, too much emphasis on doing rather than being, uh, uh, and then too much temptation to make it personal. And I think that's a great checklist. The last one's the one that got me. I mean, too much temptation to make it personal. Yeah. Like I was feeling good one through four. And I was like, man, this is going to be okay. I feel pretty solid about some of these. And then too much temptation to make it personal. Um, I don't think that that's necessarily external outside of my nuclear family, mm-hmm. right? But inside the five of us, yeah. um, for sure, like that's where I feel that piece. Yeah. And so, and it wasn't... I, I actually felt in this particular chapter as I was reading it about identity, I felt really good about my own identity, but what was I teaching? Yeah. That's what good. was I teaching yeah. my children? How was I leading my wife, right, as a parent? Because uh, I would, the social media makes this one challenging, right, because so many people are into finding some sort of a photo op and coming up with a witty 144 characters. And, you know, there's very various different ways to – uh, publish how great of a parent you are and to find identity in that. But um, when you're asking your children to fulfill something that they can't fulfill, there's yeah. no chance of success. Nope. And if there's no chance of success, you know, you're banging your head against the wall and you're just going to lead yourself farther and farther away from what you're after. And what you're after is the peace that surpasses all understanding. And the only being that can accomplish that is our Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, his Holy Spirit, and God the Father in heaven. They're the only ones who can fill that. And what I love about the principle about resting in that, whenever you talk to a parent about resting, especially if they have little children, (laughs) they they get it. You can see them start salivating. Like, what's this rest thing you're talking about? Like, I've not rested in a long time. But realistically, like, spiritual changes, like, it doesn't fix your financial problems. It doesn't fix, you know, whatever, like, socioeconomic things you're challenged with, right? We still have to take on those, and Jesus specifically says we're going to deal with trials and tribulations and all that stuff. Your identity, he does address, and he is firmly established in, Mm -hmm. and he is the author and the creator of it. And therefore, if you're looking anywhere else probably not looking in the right place. And so often we look to our job, we look to our kids, we look to our family, you know, uh, and for all the stay at home moms out there, like it's really easy to idolize your family, even though it's a super good thing. 
You know, and so they're they're look this this hits everybody across the spectrum. Doesn't Amen. matter what your sins are. Amen. This one hits you because at the end of the day, we were made in the image of God. It makes us different from animals, right? They are not made in the image of God. We are, and we humans together are building what's supposed to be the Church of Jesus Christ. That's right. I've I've got a six year old daughter here at PCA, and uh, at least once or twice a year, she comes home with this worksheet of. And the title of it is typically Things My Daddy Likes. Uh, I saw one the other day and it was on grandparents, and I was really thankful I wasn't given the attention. And, and there's a list of questions. It's, what is your daddy's favorite food? And I look at it, and she usually writes something like steak down. I'm like, amen, that's right. That's, steak yeah, is my amen. favorite food. Uh, <laughs> and then it's like your daddy's favorite color. And sometimes I'm like, where did you get purple? Like, that is not my favorite color, even in the slightest. In, in the sense of identity, our kids are picking up on our actions yep. of who they define us to be. Um, and they're taking an audit of our lives, and they're, 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 they're boiling it down to a list of values. And I think the goal is that when we ask our kids, what do your mommy and daddy value most in life, that the top thing would be their relationship with Jesus and not my success on the soccer field or not my grades at the end of the term or not my, you name it, action of kid. Not that I would embarrass my mom or dad. And uh, this identity is critical in getting it right. because if we don't, we'll be spinning our wheels for 18 years. Amen. Well, um, you do leave us kind of hanging, though, with the question of what, what is your favorite color? Oh, my favorite color is seafoam green. Seafoam green. Duh. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess blue. I don't know if I have a favorite color. Oh, we're going Nick? with seafoam green for okay. you. Yeah, there it de- is. Definitely. Yes, Thank we you. were buying you seafoam green stuff. What, Nick? Mine is just green. No seafoam. Uh, I actually, I would say probably closer to Kelly green. Okay. Mm. Oh, you have a Kelly green jacket. I saw you wearing the I other day. I do have. And that one really, did make the last podcast. Really nice. I didn't wear it today on purpose. Yes. It's very nice. My, mine's, just to let you know, mine is purple. Okay. So, all right. Now I feel bad. Royalty. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, chapter six. Um, he's going to go into this uh, process, and we've talked about this already, right? The the, the heart attitude, the mindset that parenting um, is not, um, you know, kind of like open up the box, take it out, boom. You know, we've got kids. You know, um, but this is he says uh, you must be committed as a parent to a long view parenting because change is a process, not an event. Yep. Um, and I think you know, again, every parent needs to have this concept. Um, you need to um, understand that, that there are events, um, there are moments, um, there are situations that, that happen, right? But it really is the culmination of all those that really, um, develops the heart shaping, um, um, you know, attitude. And so, um, one of the things he talks about that I thought was just so important, right? Parenting is not a series of dramatic confrontation confession events, uh, but rather a lifelong process of incremental awareness and progressive change. And so just, again, it, it takes the pressure off. Um, you know, your children will do things that are wrong, right? And and you have to respond to it. They'll they'll spill something onto the carpet, right? You need to respond to it. You, you don't want them spilling, you know, coffee on the carpet, you know, every day, right? <laughs> so we're, we're, we're training kids, right? But um, it's not as if you're going to take that one particular moment and take all of parenting, you know, boiled down to that one and your kids will be like, you know, the light bulb will go off and be like, oh, 
oh, I get it now, right? It's, it's, a, it's a series. And so in a sense, you can kind of de-escalate, right, the, the temperature of your home so that your kids aren't walking on eggshells. And I know a lot of homes, right, have this concept. It's unfortunate. Right? That, yeah, that it's just, you know, I, I feel like I can't do anything wrong. I'll disappoint my parents. Yeah, I mean, all the different things. And just kind of like, just, just relax, right? You, you can't expect your kids uh, to get it all, you know, when they're three and four. Now, um, do I find some frustration? And I'll say this as a, as a dad raising boys um, with a lot of other people who don't expect their boys to ever mature. And I think I'll, I'll say this. Yes. Right. If parenting is a process, then it does need to start at least at some point. Right. So when you have 12, 13, 14 year old boys running around like they're two and three, it's like, you know, and I, I hear this a lot, you know, well, boys will be boys. And I started prying back with, well, they'll be boys unless you train them to be men. Right. But the training process is a process. And I think that's what this particular chapter is about. Right. When you're expecting your young boys to act like men, they're not men yet. Right. So it's, it's a it's a process. But you want them to be in the in the, you know, in the act of that process. You want them to be growing and maturing. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of guys who are my age that act like they're 15 still. And it's, it's frustrating to see that as well. So, well, doing nothing's a failure. I mean, at the end of the day, like, and, and there's, unfortunately, that's true, true. That's the norm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, dads are now doing nothing successfully in their eyes. Uh, they're the provider or um, they rely heavily on mom and grandma and grandpa and, yep. and, and, and you know, they nannies and au pairs yep. delegating. And they consider that a win because that's what they do at work. Yeah. And you know, they've been taught in order to be successful, powerful, climb the ladder, you know, you have to build a practice and you have to have employees and you have to be able to delegate the things that aren't. $150 an hour work, right, down to the $20 an hour employee. And yeah. those concepts are economically sound in free market capitalism. Unfortunately, the transforming of a soul is not free market capitalism. It is God's holy work. Yeah. And God's holy work, he asks us to do the work and to not focus on the result. Mm-hmm. And we had to take the long-term view, like Johnny said, and we go and we do the work of training them to be men. Yep. And we have to act like a man ourselves. Yep. We can't be boys hoping to produce a man. Amen. And, and the process requires intentionality. It requires effort. And I love that you said that you have to get to work. You have to get to work. You can't just sit and do nothing. Just, I had this thought reading this chapter. Jesus had a process with his 12 disciples. He had a start date yep. of his ministry, and he had a date when he ascended and he went into heaven. Yeah. The in-between was three years. Thank God he gave us at least 18 years (laughs) because we need every bit of it that we can. But I look at the intentionality that Jesus had with his 12 disciples because you know what? He knew he was going to send them out. The disciples needed to be convinced of that. But over the course of those three years, he gave them learning opportunities. He taught them principles. He corrected their theology, uh, and he gave them opportunities to try it on their own. He sent them out two by two, uh, twice. The 12 he sent out, he said, hey, friends, you see that town over there? Go advance my kingdom over there. Matthew chapter 10. And then later on. Shake the dust off your feet when they don't bring you in. As if he was expecting (laughs) them to get rejected. Yes. Like, just in case you're not aware, you're going to get beat up a little bit. Yeah. When it happens, just move on. And then his followers grow, and he's got 72 later, and he sends them out two by two with the same mission. Yeah. And then on in Matthew 28, 
he's looking those now 11 disciples in the eyes, and he said, it's time to go. Yeah. And this is a reminder of parenting. Psalm 127, uh, verse 3 says this, Children are a heritage of the Lord, offspring a reward from him, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Beautiful and I, I once yep. thought, okay, so the goal is to have as many arrows in my quiver as possible. That would be an okay thing. You've got a lot more kids than I do, Nick. Um, I just have two. But I, I think this verse is also a reminder that our goal is to launch them out of our arrow and into the world. Yes. Flying straight with a purpose hitting the bullseye. Yeah. And this requires intentionality, and this requires a process. Amen. Amen. So important. Um, uh, chapter 7 talks about lost. Um, it says, as a parent, you're not dealing with just bad behavior, but a condition that causes bad behavior. Um, it, it's, it's sin, right? Um, you know, the, the children are born into this world. Um, they are uh, blinded by sin. And as a, as a parent... Um, you need to help them understand that. Uh, he gives you two big lies. I, I love these. This is really, really good. Um, two big lies that are uh, that every lost child believes. The first lie is a lie of autonomy, right? Um, I, I, you know, completely get to make my own rules. That's what it means, right? Self rule. Um, you know, the second lie is the lie of self sufficiency, um, and, and you see that. Um, you see that young people. Um, you know, generally speaking in this culture, that's, that's the goal, right? The goal is to be um, out there on your own doing life the way that you want to do it. Nobody else can tell you who you are. Um, I can go back to the gender thing because it's, it's kind of the, you know, the, the apex of this kind of, you know, on steroids, right? Where, you know, I get to define my own gender. I'm not going to be, you know, told, I'm not going to have my sex assigned to me at birth by a doctor. And you're just like, that's just so crazy. <laughs> right? Like, don't tell me I'm a male. I'll, I'll figure it out later. And you're like, that's the height of, you know, autonomy and self-sufficiency. Um, and so just, you know, that, that whole idea is he's like, Hey, here's the deal. It's not just bad behavior that you're dealing with. You're dealing with a person who's really lost. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you've got to help them deal with the lostness of their soul and of their heart first and then their behavior will change, right? Mm-hmm. Their behavior will begin to follow that which he's going to get into this in a minute, right? That which they worship. And if they worship themselves, then their behavior will be about self-gratification. And if they worship something greater than themselves, then their behavior will be about something greater than themselves, right? And it, it just, that's how we are made and that's what it will follow. And so this chapter I think is a very just, you know, significant, important chapter to remind you that the battle is bigger than, um, a particular event, um, it is the heart of your child. Yeah. Paul says this, Paul Tripp, as a parent, you're not dealing just with bad behavior. Like we all know our kids act poorly, sure. but it, he reminds us, but it's ultimately a condition that caused the bad behavior. That's right. And so it always goes back to the heart. And, and I, I get frustrated as a dad um, when I find myself recognizing Okay, their bad behavior is a reflection of the sinful heart. I, too, have a sinful heart. Mm -hmm. But I I get caught up in this uh, never-ending loop of trying to understand their sin. Um, If I could just understand why they made that decision, then I could solve the problem. I'm taking on the responsibility of Savior at this point because I can outwit and outsmart my kids 
but I certainly can't do that with our Lord. And Jeremiah says this about this frustration. He says, the heart is deceitful of all things. Who can understand it? And I need to remind myself of that a lot more these days because I want to understand why my four-year-old does X, Y, and Z, Mm. and I will never understand it. No one can. But it's just our sin nature. Yep. Yeah. I think when Christians read uh, the word lost on a piece of paper, they think of the non-Christians, right? Like they lost and saved Mm -hmm. and they just immediately like default to those are the non-Christians. So I'm not in that category, you know, but I think that Paul writes in Romans 12 too, he says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing and the perfect will of God. This is a daily affair. I can be lost by three o'clock in the afternoon, even though my salvation moment was 15 years ago. That's right. And I might be saved with respect to going to heaven and or going to hell, and the, the, the salvation moment had begun 15 years ago, and this process is working it out over my lifetime. But I can forget by about, I don't know, 15 oh. minutes after I walk away from my Bible. Yeah, I mean, Romans 6, 7, and 8, this, <laughs> yeah. is, this is Paul wrestling with the whole thing, right? Why, yeah. why, why do I do the things I don't want to do and not do yeah. the things I want it's to so do? It's so frustrating. Right. It is. Yeah. It's, it's so frustrating. And so it, this is a good reminder to us, right, that that's ultimately the spiritual battle that's going on. Uh, for the heart of our children. But the cool thing is, is we've got somebody who's fighting for our children, not just us, not just, not, you know, Johnny, not, 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 you know, we're not the only person who wants to understand what's going on in the heart of our children, mm-hmm. right? God wants to know what's going on. God wants to, you know, direct and to shape that as well. And so that's the cool thing is because he can actually get in there, right? He can see where there's the heart of stone, make it a heart of flesh. And he can, you know, help that, right? With the power of the Holy Spirit being in that person's life, where you and I are on the outside looking in, right, which is a, you know, a, a place where we can guide and direct and provide wisdom. And he says, what, you know, what does a lost child need? He says, insight, compassion, hope, rescue, and wisdom. Fantastic. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Does that spell J-E-S-U-S? Yeah. Um, but that's, that's what we want to point them to, right? And so um, just, a, just a good reminder. Um, there's chapter seven. Um, we'll, uh, we'll, we're, we're, we're learning a lot, um, and, uh, and we'll pick up starting in chapter eight next week. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training, the number four, manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.